Hi, welcome to this edition of On Tap, presented by FCSI The Americas. I'm Wade Kaler, Executive Director. On Tap this week, I have a member who's been a part of almost every aspect of FCSI. The list is way too long to review, so let me just mention a few of the things. He's the past FCSI Worldwide President, past FCSI The Americas Chair, past FCSI Educational Foundation Board President, and a member of the FCSI Council of Fellows. He's also one of the members who brought me on board by hiring my association management company and allowing me to serve as executive director of FCSI The Americas. If you cut this man open, I'm sure he would bleed purple and gold FCSI colors. He and I have gone through a lot of turmoil together during that first year when he was chair and I was executive director, and we spoke every single day on Skype. Throughout that, we've become very good colleagues and one of my best friends throughout. Please welcome the Director of Management Advisory Services for Clevenger & Associates, Mr. Ed Norman. Hey, Ed. How's it going? Morning, Wade. It's good to good. see you again. Good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's so good to see you. We, uh, we still talk quite a bit, but I actually haven't had the one-on-one -on -one like this old Skype way here today. So yeah. it's kind of a little, yeah, throw little throwback to what we did before. Um, you know, uh, talk about those days. And I won't dwell on the past. I don't like to do that. But... Uh, for people to understand, we literally, when we took over FCSI of the Americas, it was in a little bit of a turmoil, uh, financially, uh, operationally, and people don't believe sometimes when they, when we, you, you and I joke about the fact that we talked almost every single day. It was yeah. almost every single day on Skype, something it was coming was. up. Um, yep. Talk a little bit about what your you know, as a new president, you had just taken over chair of FCSI of the Americas. Um, tell me a little bit about what you went through that first year as chair. Well, it was challenging. Um, you know, it was very good. I enjoyed being uh, able to assist the found, or I'm sorry, to assist the division um, and and help you know restructure things in the uh, in the TAD. Yeah, um, it was. A little overwhelming, but yeah. at the same time, it was extremely challenging. Yeah, I mean, we had uh, we had to redo bylaws, we had to redo operational procedures, financially, we had to rebuild. It was a crazy, mm -hmm. crazy time. But you know, uh, kudos to you we, with your leadership and the board that we had at that point. Uh, everybody got together, and we came out of that with flying colors. And you know, happily, now ten years later, we're financially very viable. We've uh, spent more money on marketing and 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 operational and everything else since that day. It's been eleven years, though, which is hard to believe. Yeah. It's been eleven years since that day. Yeah, um, it's been so a long time. Let's talk a little bit about Ed. Um, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got your start being a food service consultant. And then a little, so we talked about you're the director of management advisory services. So tell us a little bit about what you, uh, your day-to-day -day operations are like for Clevenger. Well, basically, I started, and, and I kind of remember Dick Eisenbarth's um, uh, on-tap session. You know, Dick started in the industry at 11 years old. So did I. I started as a busboy at a Holiday Inn. I grew up and went through uh, school for um, restaurant management and then uh, worked in the industry for several years uh, in, in actual operations. At that point, then I moved into distribution. I was a, a sales rep for a, a broadline wholesaler and then I went into management for them. Uh, after that, 
um, I or during that time period, I always thought, boy, I'd really like to be a consultant. I, you know, I've seen a lot of operations. I've talked to a lot of owners, and it kind of put a, put some drive in me to pursue a, a career in consulting. But I was still very young. I was in my early twenties, uh, mid twenties, and I decided, well, you know, it's going to be hard for a twenty-five-year-old kid to go out and start consulting on operational management. So I went um, and decided, you know, I'm going to wait a few years. Well, then, as life has it, you know, we started having children. And uh, with three children, it was uh, challenging just to, to do my regular job in, in the distribution world. But finally, at the age of 45, when my daughter was in college, and my two sons were in high school, I decided to start going out and moonlighting and picking up clients for consulting. However, it was about design consulting, not management advisory. I had done some management advisory consulting all throughout my days uh, in the trenches as a distributor. So it felt real natural for me to lead into design. I, I, I was always very fond of design. So in high school, I, I had taken drafting courses, so I was real comfortable uh, hand drawing things. And then um, because of a couple of years that I moved out of the industry, um, I was in a company where we sold uh, AutoCAD, we sold solid modeling, uh, 3D programs, and I got familiar with that. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I'm a self-taught AutoCAD guy. The first design job that I ever did, um, I did on the board. I, I hand drew it, and it was a pain. And I just said, I'm not going to go down that road again. Yeah. So I got the AutoCAD LT version, and I started learning how to use it. So by the time I did my second design job, um, I was already able to run AutoCAD. Um, nice. So it was challenging. I really enjoyed it, though. And, and so then what I started to do, is combine my management knowledge, uh, you know, operational knowledge in working with my clients on design. Yeah. And consequently, you know, 1977 or 1997, I decided to go ahead and hang my shingle out and do my thing. Nice. So with Clevenger and Associates, what are, are there things that you focus in on mostly for the firm or are you kind of got your hands on a little bit of everything? Um, well, you know, I, I'm really more designed than I am management advisory, okay. but I've done work for our other offices in management advisory. Um, but typically here in the Midwest, um, I work, you know, with Eric and our, our other associate here, uh, Tad, Tom Domek. Um, I work with them on, on all of our design projects coming okay. through the Midwest office. So you're we'll call it semi-retired now. I know that you've been trying to retire for a couple of years. So is there a, uh, do you get to choose what projects you work on now? Or does Brent and Eric just tell you, Hey, you're going to work on this now. Or do you, do you have a little say as being semi-retired or <laughs> are you still like well, just being done what you're told? <laughs> Brent, Brent doesn't tell us what to do out here. Okay. We're, we're on our own little Island. So generally speaking, I do larger projects. Um, and then I, I dish off the smaller jobs to Eric. Not that his jobs are small by any means, but, yeah. you know, uh, the most recent ones that I've done are pretty good size. Yeah. What's, um, 
we we talked about Eric and Brent and everybody, and, and both of them have been on our show. And but the whole Norman crew is is been deeply involved in the food service industry. Um, you know, we like I said, we've met your son Eric, who is the current chair of FCSI of the Americas in season one, and you've also got your other son Ryan, who's a consultant services liaison for Alto Sham manufacturer. What is it about the industry that they saw growing up and saw you working in that made them want to get involved with dad's line of work? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know, Eric knew at an early age that he wanted to come into the company. And in fact, in high school, junior year of high school, he said, Dad, you know, I'd like to come and, and learn how to uh, do what you do. Yeah. Um, he got a pretty rude awakening after he <laughs> worked with me during high school and then did some mentoring um, during college. Um, his first week on the job was an eye-opener. And uh, I just recall one day he came into my office when he was in full-time about a week into it, and he said, Dad, how in the heck do you know everything you need to know? And I said, well, Eric, I said, you know, you just learn. You learn as you go through time. Yeah. As far as my son, Ryan, who's a great kid, you know, Ryan spent a little yeah. time working with us. Yeah. But there was a point a point in time when Ryan said to me, Dad, I want nothing to do with food service. I am never going to go into that industry. And lo and behold, after four years of college, he decided, hey, I'm, I'm uh, going to become a chef. Yeah. I said, really? You know, you're, you're going to become a chef and you told me you didn't want anything to do with the industry. So, you know, it's kind of fun that both of the boys are in the industry and uh, we have a lot of great times at, you know, the various events and things. And yeah. I'm really very proud of them. Now, you said in an interview a few years back that when you retired, fully retired, that would be, that you and uh, your lovely wife, Deb, would take off driving in a cross-country adventure together. Um, I've been asked to when I can report back to Deb to find out when that's going to take place. Well, actually, we're, we're not going to do uh, the driving part. Okay. Um, we have a vacation plan to Key West in February. Nice. We have an Alaskan cruise booked in August. We're hoping to get out to Niagara Falls sometime in May or June. So, you know, as much as I've kind of held back in, in fully retiring, uh, this year is, this coming year is going to be a busy year for us travel wise. And then maybe after that, we'll do more, you know, yeah. on, on the road in the car. Nice. Very good. Um, but as you know, our motorhome got wiped out, so yeah, we yeah. decided not to go down that road again. Okay, so not going to redo it yeah. yet. Okay. I don't What's, think so. In all the projects you've worked on, you know, in the last 30, 40 years of being a food service consultant or being involved in industry, what's one of the projects that maybe that comes to your mind right away as far as your favorite project you've worked on? Boy, I tell you. Wait, I can't single it out. I thought about that um, when, when we set up the interview for today, and – I've had so many really great projects. I, it's hard to single out one that I'd say is the best of the bunch. Mm -hmm. um, just recently, we had a project come in for Rivian Automotive uh, oh. in Normal, Illinois. And that one was, uh, it, it was all three of us working on the project out of the Midwest office. And nice. we went from nothing to fully done in three months' time. Wow. Um, the plant is capable of serving seven to 8,000 meals a day. Um, that one was really all hands on deck. Everybody hustled. We, we were just pushed like crazy. 
because of Rivian's timeline. Yeah. Uh, and then that one, I'm I'm really super proud of because I think we did a great job on that on that project. Congratulations! I don't know if you realize they just got named uh, Motor Trend Trucker of the Year as well. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. It's all because Fun. of you. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> what is um you know in all the other years? Let's go on the flip side of that. What's one of your greatest screw ups? Well, I also thought about that. <laughs> um, early in my career, I think uh, Eric was on board, but a, a good friend of mine uh, here in town, Gil, he was the park and rec director for the city. And, and Gil came to me and he said, Ed, you know, we want to do the, redo the clubhouse at one of the local golf courses. I said, okay, great. You know, so it's a small little concession stand, basically nothing really uh, very difficult. Um, but what had happened, I went in and I took all my measurements. We did the layout. We reviewed all the plans and the architect was on board. Um, and then one day I'm sitting in the office with Eric and the phone rings and, and it's Gil. And he said, Hey, Ed, he said, uh, I think you better come up here, uh, come up to Bunker Hill golf course. And I said, okay, I'll come up. So I ran over there real quick and I walked in and here the exhaust hood is hanging at about uh, six feet off the floor. <laughs> and I looked at the hood and I said, gee, Gil, we got a problem here, don't we? And he said, yeah. He said, you know, I don't think anybody really took a look at how high the ceiling was. So <laughs> yeah, luckily, with the help of, uh, of the hood manufacturer and, uh, and Gil being a friend and, and being yeah. understanding of the mistake, uh, I, I told him that day, I said, Gil, just don't hire anyone to work in the concession stand who's taller than five foot six. I said, you won't have a problem. But that was the biggest screw up of my, of my career, I think. Yeah, Another thing you've done, I know over the years, uh, a, a lot of people have talked to me about the fact you've been very generous with giving people time and, and energy, almost like a mentor, uh, maybe not in the official capacity, but just somebody that everybody felt comfortable enough to come to for advice. So, if you were talking to a student or somebody that's looking to do a career change, what's one piece of advice you would give them about becoming a food service consultant? I think the main thing is to, you know, immerse yourself in the industry. And that would be, you know, get a job in a, in a food service establishment or, you know, yeah. become a bartender. Anything yeah. to get exposure to the operational side of the business is going to help anyone immensely. Um, going in and being able to put themselves in the operation and be thinking about what's going on. Because even if you are a waitress, for example, you're still seeing how that whole yeah. operational stuff comes together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in, in retirement, would you ever uh, consider uh, becoming a, a travel agent? Um, I've heard you're pretty good at booking flights for wrong days and wrong times. So, <laughs> yeah, I've been known to book a year out uh, and then suddenly realize it on the day of travel. Uh, <laughs> I'll never live it down. The last question I've got for you is you've been involved, as I said before, and I can't even go into all the committees. Uh, you know, you've gotten service award from FCSI. You've, you're the highest honor council of fellows. You've been president of everything. Um, many, many committees and task forces. What is one thing, one piece of recommendation to give to anybody that's a member of an association on 
what it, how to get involved and then what it means to get involved when you do that? You know, I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've met many people, many people around the world that are now friends of mine or, you know, really close yeah. peers that, that I can talk to. Um, the involvement's been just awesome. Um, I can't explain it. Uh, you know, I, I joined in 1997 and I became a member of the uh, uh, Educational Foundation Board in 1998. And from then on until now, I'm still involved. Yeah and have been all the time for 20 some years. Uh, It's just very fulfilling for me. I like the challenge. I probably lost money by by being involved in FCSI because I don't have to build hours, but I've enjoyed it. Well, I can tell you as a staff member and the chief staff officer for FCSI of the Americas, we are eternally grateful. I mean, to not just you. you, but any volunteer that gets involved and dedicates the time and the energy like yourself, mm-hmm. it makes our jobs as staff so much easier and so much more enjoyable. So um, thank you from the so this association as as well as, as uh, not only being a go-to person for us as staff, but also, like I said before, becoming a very good friend along the way. So, yeah. Well, you know, it's all about the people, and, and, and we've become successful as a division uh, because of so many people that are so involved. Yeah. And, and I think that that speaks so highly for a lot of our members who aren't, you know, they're not afraid to do a little extra work, go the extra mile, and it's really proven that over the last 11 years. Well, Ed, that's all the questions I've got for you today. But before we get let you go, yeah. as you know, with On Tap, I like to end each episode with some fun questions. So I've got a, uh, a few questions to go through for you that are pretty quick and easy, I think. First question is, would you rather have the ability to move things with your mind or the ability to read minds? Mm. I think the ability to read minds. Okay. Would you rather be forced to sing along with or dance to every single song you hear? Sing along. I love to sing along. In the car, I sing along all the time. With that baritone bass, I'm glad I'm not a part of that. Um, Yeah. uh, Would you rather be chronically underdressed or chronically overdressed? Mm, Chronically overdressed. Would you rather have universal respect or unlimited power? Universal respect. Would you rather never be able to go out during the day or never be able to go out during the night? I guess never being able to go out during the night. Would you rather lounge by the pool or lounge by the beach? Pool. I hate sand, (laughs) but my wife loves it, so I end up at the beach anyway. (laughs) We know that. Who's going to win that argument every time? Exactly. (laughs) Would you rather wear the same socks for a month or the same underwear for a week? (laughs) I think I'll take the socks. (laughs) Okay. Would you rather spend a week in the forest or a night in a haunted house? The forest. I'm a baby. I I don't like horror movies or things like that. Rather get a paper cut every time you turn a page or bite your tongue every time you eat. Ooh, ouch. Um, I think the paper cut would be the way to go. Okay. This is a little bit of a trickier one. Would you rather sip aviation gin with Ryan Reynolds or Hermano Tequila with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Ooh, I think I'd have to go with The Rock. Yeah. Would you rather have skin that changes color based on your emotions or tattoos that appear all over your body depicting what you did yesterday? I'm going to have to go with 
the um, the tattoos. Okay, <laughs> that's crazy. Would you rather be beautiful and stupid, or unattractive and a genius? What about unattractive and stupid? I mean, I would fit that. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I'd just go unattractive. Okay. Would you rather only eat pizza for a year or not be able to eat any pizza for five years? I could eat pizza for a year. I like pizza. Would you rather give up cursing forever or give up desserts for five years? Dessert. Give up dessert. And the last one, would you rather go backstage with your favorite band or be an extra on your favorite TV show? Be an extra on a TV show. What's one thing about Ed nobody would ever guess? That I love to feed birds. Yeah, I go through about, oh, 700 to to $1,000 worth of bird food every year. My wife and I feed the birds year-round. Ed, how can people find out more about you and Clevenger and Associates? Very easily. You can go to the World Wide Web, ClevengerAssoc.com. Okay. And that'll take you into our website, or you can reach us. Um, you can reach me, uh, Ed, at clevengerassoc.com. Well, that wraps up this edition of On Tap, presented by FCSI of the Americas. A huge thank you to Ed for joining us today. We couldn't do this without members like you. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and turn on those notifications so you don't miss out on any future episodes. But until then, cheers. Cheers.